Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast. My name is Callum Beaumont, the founder of the show and also the founder of Cordell Beaumont, which is the digital shipping recruitment agency that powers the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Arthur Vietinen, who's the VP of Products at Seba. We're going to dive into the topic of um, chartering and vessel operations and essentially how technology can um, facilitate fixing a vessel and, and giving ship owners in particular and charterers better insights uh, into their their fixtures and, and the kind of the positions open and how they can streamline that process. Um, so Arthur's going to go deep into what Seba offers. We're also going to talk, talk about the role of a product manager. Um, I know we've done that on previous episodes, but I really enjoy hearing it from the, the kind of horse's mouth perspective in a way. Um, hear Arto's take on what a, what a day in the life of a product manager is like. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please do remember to follow us on, on, on the channels where you listen to the podcast. Subscribe to us on LinkedIn and also uh, YouTube. And that'd be fantastic. All right. Thank you. Hi, Arto. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. You're very, very welcome. I can, I think, I can see some snow in the background. Is that, is that, a, is it snowing where you are? Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I left the curtain open just to <laughs> show show everyone the snow. There's a lot of snow this year in Finland. Wow. I'm I'm based in Finland. Yeah. No. Awesome. Well, it's really nice to sort of uh, to speak to you and, and have you on the show. Um, so, why don't you perhaps do a, a, an introduction to who who you are and obviously your role at Seba. Sure. I'm uh, Arto Vitanen. I'm the vice president of products at Seber, and I'm well responsible for it. We basically just have one product, so responsible for that product. And uh, yeah, I've uh, been working at Seber since the dawn of the company for about five years now, maybe six already. And yeah. Excellent. What what was it that sort of that drew you into the maritime space? Did somebody approach you, or were you already connected to to some of the Seba team? Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of random. I uh, I was working into startup tech startup space for for a long time. Had my first own startup in two thousand and six, and then ended up working for a consultancy or or digital product design company. And uh, moved to to the U.S. Worked in Silicon Valley for a few years, and built a network around there. And then, then I've been since that. I was helping tech startups to to make their first products, help with the design and the business aspects of it. So um, then, I was I was looking for. I moved back to Finland a few years ago. I was looking for clients in Finland. I didn't really have any network left and came across Seber through through someone I knew. And it was kind of like love at first sight because I the, the whole the whole transportation system, global transportation system is something that people don't really or like normal people don't know the details of it. So when you when you start learning about it and you kind of understand how huge and important it is it's uh, it's it's very exciting so it immediately drew me i i continued having other clients for a while but then i decided to join the the company and uh try to build this ambitious product that we have yeah so uh that's a that's the short story i've uh yeah i i, I still i think i'm gonna stay in the in the shipping world right. uh even w- whenever this ends <laughs> who knows maybe it never will 
Um, so, but yeah, definitely I'm, I'm, I'm into shipping now. How, how did you find those initial kind of early couple of months or so learning the kind of the language of shipping and, and getting used to the maritime industry? Um, I was, I, I think it was like day five when I started that I was, I was brought to, to see a ship owner, like a sales meeting or, okay, you know, trying to formulate what the product will be kind of finding the first clients and I kind of had to start understanding immediately because, you know, the, the terms get flying in. I bet I was Googling for different terms on Wikipedia or something. And, uh, it was, a obviously there was a very steep learning curve because a lot of the terminology I didn't know beforehand and the concepts and the way the chip owners and, and chargers work and all that. So, but since it was interesting and motivating to learn, it was, it was very, very sort of easy to, and I also studied something called industrial management, which helps a little bit with the, with this yeah. kind of like systems thinking and so on. So it was kind of smooth. I would okay. say. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to hear people that from outside of shipping coming in, what their early few, I guess kind of that onboarding period is like and kind of best practices to try and smooth that, uh, we'll get them up to speed as quickly as possible with, with the kind of the language of shipping. So it's yeah, great that you've, obviously picked it up and, and really enjoyed it straight away, um, which is really good. Cool. Okay, do you, want, do you want to um, give us a quick overview of, of, of Seba's solution and, and your role there? It'd be great to hear a bit more about the company. Yeah, so um, we haven't really, I mean, there was a pivot right when I joined, like several years ago that we kind of changed the scope a bit. But after that, it's been it's been one one product and anyone that has has worked in in chartering or operations or ship owners in general i guess knows that there's usually a spreadsheet like a scheduling or a planning spreadsheet uh, so you you have your stuff in the voyage management system but then but then when you're planning the when you're comparing market inquiries the cargos that you could get and where you enter the coa cargos and so on so there's a spreadsheet for that and I've seen a bunch of those and we were thinking, or basically we are, we're sort of trying to replace that spreadsheet with something better because when you're using something like that, where there's a lot of color coding and it's a bit clunky to use, you can't just drag and drop things around. Uh, so you need to have a pretty kind of strict protocol when, when, uh, interacting with that spreadsheet. So we, uh, we thought we, we want to try to make that better. And, uh, and that's what we've been working towards. Um, so chartering puts in inquiries or sort of compares them against the, the spreadsheet. Like, where do we have capacity? Which vessels need more cargo? Could the whole thing be, be, be done a little bit better? Uh, so it's, it's, it's about that around that. And then obviously operators need to update the ETA so that the, the scheduling spreadsheet is up to date. So that's a daily or ongoing sort of update practice. Then when, when you get a, a delay, for example, and you need to reshuffle the fleet a little bit, then, you know, doing that in a spreadsheet is you will come up with a solution, but probably not the best solution if you have to do it in a hurry, especially. Um, so that's, um, that's in a nutshell, that's, that's what the product product is doing. So we're, bringing data from all kinds of different data sources. We try to automate the data flows so that, so that the user can simply 
manipulate the schedule, move things around, um, also get suggestions uh, for what could be done better or what to plan next and, and those kinds of things. It consists of a timeline view where you see each vessel and the schedule going forward. And we check all kinds of restrictions then obviously for previous cargoes and vessel cargo compatibility and so on in the system. So it's all, you know, being kind of handled by the system. Okay. No, interesting. And, and I guess um, you mentioned the one sort of core product there. Where do you, this is putting on, on the spot a bit here, so I apologize, but I mean, where do you see the kind of the differences between Seba's uh, platform and perhaps someone like Vesson or the Signal Group, um, ShipFix, those sort of providers? Is, is there overlaps or is, is there any key differences that you, you're aware of? Quick message to tell you about Cordell Beaumont, which is the company that powers the podcast and essentially my core business, which I focus on day in, day out. Um, so we're a niche recruitment agency, and we primarily focus on the commercial and digital shipping space, uh, more so on the maritime software and kind of associated markets that it links to. So including things like um, connectivity and satellite communications, even supply chain sort of SaaS and, and data platforms we help hire for. Um, so typically our customers are mainly businesses that want to launch or scale their go-to-market strategy. Um, we help with senior leadership, so anything from kind of C-suite, head of sales, head of marketing, head of product, those sort of level roles, um, and also down to individual sales managers, business developers, product managers, um, those types of positions. So if you're obviously thinking about expanding your team, um, love to have a kind of a, a free kind of hiring strategy call to get a feel for how your processes are going so far in terms of kind of recruiting and and getting your word out and brand out there in the market um and also to have a an idea of what what, what projects you've got coming up whether you'd like to try and keep an eye out for sort of certain types of profiles for you um and i guess on the other side is obviously if, if you're thinking about starting a career within the digital shipping space or maybe you're currently working in uh, perhaps a commercial shipping role so for a ship owner or a charterer or a ship broker um and you want to perhaps switch over to the, the technology side and love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out um, and we can tell you about different types of businesses, differences between perhaps companies that have been a little bit more focused on the sort of the vessel performance side of ships, as opposed to perhaps the sort of chartering kind of pre and post fixture insights and, and, and platforms. So um, best way is to email me at callum at um, or you can send a message to me on LinkedIn and I'll get back to you straight away. Right, thanks a lot. Well, there's very little overlap. Um, well, it depends on how you how you scope it. Uh, we are currently the biggest, um, or most of the ship owners that are considering us or, or have a contract with us are, are companies that have a pretty complex fleet, like multi-parcel, uh, parceling uh, voyages with loads of port calls and, and, and so on. So uh, for, for that, there isn't really anything to assist in, in scheduling in, in IMOS, uh, for, for example. Um, and then the chartering side solutions where you where you sort of uh, comparing your your open positions against future cargo, that's that's also kind of kind of limited in in scope. So so knowing exactly what would will feed match your your fleet the best can is a pretty complicated thing you probably will need to end up you will end up using several different solutions to sort of 
gather the data and then then you run estimators in in your voyage management system and you, maybe you can sum up those in a in a spreadsheet to get an idea of what what it means for the entire fleet so yeah we 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 are kind of in our own on niche as far as i know niche at the moment um with very little overlap with anything existing on the market then obviously we are bringing in some some functionality that that others already have for example getting the um competitive situation which competitor vessels might be competing for the same cargo and that kind of stuff people then use for example the single platform for but uh, so there, there will be more overlap in the future, possibly also in, uh, or very, very likely also in bunker planning. So like kind of planning further into the future and taking the sort of bunkering aspect uh, into, into the fleet schedule planning as well. And optimizing for, for cost and, and the time spent. So is your, are your customers fleets mainly kind of, coasters of barge type of, uh, of vessels up to sort of handy handy size sort of ships or, or do you also cover slightly larger ships as well well um we we have all kinds of different uh, different ship owners of, of as clients but the the two segments that are well represented are chemical tankers that do parceling like complex voyages and have a lot of technical restrictions and then also uh, on the dry bulk side, we, we have some kind of traditional dry bulk companies, but then also project cargo, uh, break bulk of different sort, um, heavy lift, that sort of stuff where where you just, you know, there's more, more complexity. That's where we're strong. We, we do have uh, also ship owners that carry single cargo on a voyage, but uh, but there our value proposition isn't quite as strong. I, I believe we will, you know, go to that segment as well in the future but but at the moment it's it's the more complex stuff yeah okay no fantastic well thanks for going through that and i mean today's the topic we're going to sort of call this discussion today is really about how uh kind of technology's impact on chartering and, and i guess in a way how you can kind of elevate your vessel operations with technology so you, you've touched on upon it already in your explanation of, of what cbers does and, and the platform but is there any kind of um, ways in particular that you feel like technology is enhancing the role of a vessel operator or a charter to make their kind of day in day sort of life easier? I'm sure there's lots, but go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there there are many things in this. Uh, one is that when you have everything in a in a spreadsheet, then it's a, it's kind of hard to to grasp the whole picture. Because it's uh, oftentimes your, your data is in a bunch of different spreadsheets, and you can only fit so much on the screen. So the way that we visualize the data is is one very, very strong or important aspect of it. So we we present the data in a way that that it's easy to to draw conclusions from it. Uh, so that's one one thing, and through that you can also then spot risks or problems and and obviously also discover opportunities in what you could do to make your fleet perform a little better from from this perspective um and then uh, we we also provide suggestions so basically what we do is that we uh, we go through all the 
possible cargos that you could have like market cargos we uh go through all the coa cargos that you have coming up uh, or fixed spot cargos and then your 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 fleet's sort of technical capabilities and our algorithms sort of crunch all the different possibilities that you could do like what if i swap this this parcel from this voyage to that voyage what kind of impact would that have what if i break this whole voyage apart can i fit those parcels onto existing voyages what is the the extra uh distance that the the vessels need to sail what is the effect, the impact on on port costs uh, port stay durations uh all of that so we can we can crunch through all that data and give you for example like in your fleet schedule the way that you have it now if you swap these this voyage uh between these vessels or these voyages between these vessels that would save you whatever 400 nautical miles of, of ballast distance and then immediately be able to give you a, an estimation of the profit impact on your on your fleet if you if you do that or here's a list of 200 market inquiries which of these inquiries would fit on your existing voyages and which of these voyages uh, these cargos could be combined to a new voyage on a in an open position that you have now those kinds of things it's a we can go through so many different permutations and combinations that that for anyone to do this manually, it would be, it would be a very time consuming, practically impossible, I guess. Um, and then you also, we give a perspective on the entire fleet, uh, where, whereas oftentimes uh, you're kind of focusing on one vessel or one open position at a time and you're optimizing for that, but then you kind of lose the perspective on the entire fleet. So maybe it isn't this vessel that you should put the cargo on, it might be another one that you just didn't think of or you didn't see on your screen so you know that um, and then workflow improvements as well you know jumping between different programs and checking things and and so on so it's a uh, so these are these are some of the things that uh that we're sort of trying to address with our product yeah and you, you mentioned about getting the the workflows of cargos and i guess sort of um yeah, I guess inquiries, where are you getting that? You don't have to tell me specifics, but do you get that information from partnerships with brokers or other data providers to get information about kind of, uh, yeah, I guess cargoes out there that need to be transported somewhere? Yeah, yeah. So um, we have, we, we can read read inquiries in from voyage management systems such as ShipNet or, or IMOS. So that's, that's one, one way. But typically the cargos aren't created. That isn't the first place where the cargos sort of are, are created. Usually they go into some spreadsheet or something. So we can uh, we can bring in those spreadsheets, um, just import them um, into Seabers and you get everything. We have um, we have our own email parser. Uh, we are working with uh, uh, Sedna, for example, mm -hmm. uh, with their new product Pulse to get okay. bring in the the inquiries directly from from there uh, we have we have also another partner for email parsing so that's uh, really a key for us to get the the data in so so we provide all these different different ways of doing it yeah great well it's great to see the kind of collaboration and, <clears throat> and partnerships as well amongst the different vendors uh, is, is so important so it's really good that you guys are obviously very involved in that and we we, we haven't gone too deep into your role specifically on the product side um 
can you do you mind giving us a quick overview of your what, what a day-to-day lo- looks like for a VP of products and and what, what type of projects you're involved in? Yeah, well, we're still a relatively small company, uh, so so my I'm wearing many hats. Uh, I I joined the marketing meetings. I'm in many of the sales calls, uh, but but really, what the sort of the the core of of my role is is to try to understand what what our customers or or potential future customers what their needs are, um, what can we change in the product, what new features can we build, etc., to to be able to deliver the value that that we want. So I spend a lot of time with uh, with our customers and and then I turn those discussions into into tickets and I manage I oversee the the development process as well and and obviously there's a lot of uh, so technical architecture discussions often involved in in those and I also do a lot of testing you know if there's a new feature uh, going out we have a QA engineer but he doesn't necessarily always uh, he doesn't know how to spot the, the sort of the business uh, data issues and that sort of stuff. So, I, so I do a lot of testing before things things get deployed to production and and that sort of stuff. So, my days look very different, and sometimes I'm traveling, and and uh, sometimes I'm bombarded with messages and and so on. But you know, I I really like doing this. It's a uh, you know product so VP of product is is very kind of a central central role most of the data that you know it goes through me somehow yeah. that, that is significant for the company okay and if we kind of stay on the topic of product management for, for the moment um i mean for aspiring product managers or or people that kind of the either in a similar role at the moment is there any kind of like tips perhaps or any guidance you can give them for um for success maybe either specific to maritime or just in general the world of product management yeah um i'm glad i got this question beforehand because it's uh <laughs> it's a it's a tricky one uh but but no like the number one thing that i think is is listening skills because you uh, you end up talking a lot with different people, uh, so if you're if you're not the kind of person that can listen to other people and understand what they're saying, then this is probably not the right role for you. Because I you know on a daily basis I talk to sales, I talk to existing customers or prospects and developers and uh, and so on and different partners for data you know, that I might be providing data or doing integrations for, so IT managers and, and all that. And you really need to understand what they're saying because otherwise you will you will not excel at this. It's a, and that kind of also underlines that it's very multidisciplinary uh, job. So you have to have some understanding of the technology, the psychology of the employees, of the, the users or the, their managers, um and then the business angle of things because you know commercial aspect is it's kind of very strongly present in in maritime software especially in, in our product and business angle of of the startup and and so on communication project project management so you have to be 
you know, not not the best in class in all of those things. Yeah. But uh, are there any basic kind of technical skills to learn? Whether whether you're coming from more of a development route or even like a business analyst analysis type of path, anything you think is is kind of really beneficial or no, I think that stuff you can learn. I mean, you you if you join a company, you will then learn how how it operates and what are the processes related to development. And uh, you know, for example, writing writing a ticket for a developer to work on is something that initially you might suck at it, but then when you've written a few and you've talked them through with the developers, you started to understand what you need to have in there and to what level of detail do you need to go and 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 so on. And they, the, the, for product management, you kind of, I think one thing is that you kind of have to be a little stubborn because you're, you're often the one that has the most holistic view of the product or the problem that you're solving. And you m- might get a really strong angle from somewhere, let's say, uh, yeah. sales or, or some, some individual at a client has a really strong opinion. So, uh, so, but really it's, because uh, you're doing a lot of prioritization, like what do we do next? Which, which uh, problems do we fix or which new features do we develop and, and so on? So, so um, yeah, you need to be a bit stubborn. Okay, no, no great, Th- thank you very much. And in general, um, how is this sort of the, the, the landscape for talent i mean i should obviously know this probably maybe better for you but like uh, in terms of in in finland um for, for maritime kind of focused professionals do you guys ever struggle with hiring in the past or generally are, are there kind of quite a few people to, to to review when you have roles yeah that's uh i mean finland has a lot of a lot of industry that is very dependent on on shipping uh so a lot of chargers pulp and paper, forestry industry, steel, you know, things like that. So a lot of, a lot of chargers, uh, but very few ship owners. So for us, hiring someone with a, with a ship owner background in Finland is, is kind of tricky. So, and we're, uh, we don't, we don't share an office anyways. It's, uh, we have people living, um, mostly in, in Finland, if, in, but in different places. And we're just, you know, home office hundred percent practically. So for us to hire someone from different parts of Europe is, is, you know, not a big deal at all. So we, we're definitely looking at a, like, it doesn't even need to be Europe necessarily if the time zones are sort of matching, but, but yeah, right. that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Fantastic. Now we've spoken to um, Napa group a lot in the past and, uh yeah they most of the hires we've helped them with have been out outside of finland to be honest with you um but yeah there's having the kind of a very much a remote focused team with opportunities to meet up occasionally in certain hubs is so i think valuable um but also people do love to see people in the office occasionally as well so you kind of like pros and cons really um Good. Okay, cool. Is, is there anything else perhaps you'd like to share about, about Ciba in particular and anything we haven't discussed um, about the solution or uh, any other benefits at all we can run through? Well, um, maybe, maybe the fact that, that yeah, we, uh, we're a young company and uh, this is by far the most sort of ambitious 
product that I, I don't think I've ever been involved in. And the industry is is obviously massive, especially we kind of focusing on, on bulk and as, as you know, in particular, the more, more complex, complex stuff. But um, being a green greenfield venture in this in this space, I know there there has been some attempts to build what we we've now managed to build in the past by, by some of the some of the bigger companies is that this is we're really like and I'm, I'm so excited about our product because it's uh it's addressing a big need that a lot of people don't even know that there is a need for that which makes it kind of kind of <laughs> tricky because you know for example if you work in chartering you might be completely happy with your with your spreadsheets so it's a bit of a hard sell for our product to to say that you know what you could do this much better and um, and then obviously a little bit of uh, friction there if you need to change your processes and and mm. possibly even your your way of thinking. Uh, but I think Zebra is an important company because uh, it's uh, it's it's trying to address the I think the the sort of the weakest link uh, of the shipping industry in terms of digitalization. So. Uh, that's what I want to share. Yeah. And you guys have got a great brand image. I mean, when I talk to candidates in the market, that type of thing each day, that it often comes up, see, but like, do we ever hire for a receiver? Are there any opportunities, that type of stuff? Because I think people in the industry know that there is a gap being kind of um, filled essentially by you in particular. So it's sort of, um, yeah, good buzz around you. And I'm really delighted to have you on the show. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if anyone wants to reach out to you and, and kind of learn a bit more about the platform or, or have any questions for you, what, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, probably LinkedIn message. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that always works. Okay, cool. Um, Good. Excellent. All right, brilliant. And I guess before I let you go, I always ask everybody this, but is, is there any... Um, Anything a bit more about yourself that we'd like to you'd like to share, like whether it's kind of hobbies or perhaps a couple of things that maybe people won't know about you? Yeah, I uh, well, I have three small kids. Um, the youngest is one, and the oldest is is six. So, so wow. that keeps me quite busy. And I uh, also live in a in an old wooden house that that I need to take care of as well. So, okay. <laughs> I have very little time for hobbies right now, but. But I do like to go mountain biking. Um, I live in a small town, Borvo, uh, in Finland, and there's a lot of nice forest around that I can just jump on my bike whenever I have the chance. This time yeah. of the year is quite tricky, though, because it gets dark so early that yeah. you don't want to go biking in the forest when it's pitch black. But um, sometimes I manage to squeeze a 45-minute ride into uh, like into the lunch break or something. So. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> yeah, no, great. Well, really interesting. And, and um, no, thank you so much, Arte, for coming on. I think for, unless you have any more, anything else you'd like to share, I think that's a brilliant to wrap things up. And, and um, yeah, if anyone does want to reach out to Arte, please do so on, on LinkedIn. And I'm sure he'll be delighted to speak to you. Um, but yeah, cool. All right, Arte, thanks for joining. All right, thanks so much.